All right, they're going to receive that offering. And as they do, I want to ask you guys to pull out your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to wrap up our series today in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, this is our, our last Sunday that we're going to be in this uh, series. We've been walking through this now. This is, this is week six, and we've unpacked a number of spiritual gifts over the past six weeks um, that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But we're going to step out of 12 for a moment because the last two gifts that Paul lists uh, in, in that list of gifts in chapter 12 are the gift of various tongues into another, the interpretation of tongues, is how it is read there in chapter 12. And so this, these, these two gifts, really, well, one of the two, is, is I, I would argue, the most kind of controversial of the gifts. Um, it, it's one of the gifts that kind of divides the church and has divided the church over the past Oh, I, I don't know, 100 years, rather than uniting the church over the past 100 years. Um, it's one of those things that the moment you kind of begin to speak of it, people begin to kind of squirm a little bit, and they're like, wait, what are we going to do? Is this going to get really weird? Um, for those of you who are brand new to Flourishing Grace, let me, let me start by saying this. Um, in, in my time here at Flourishing Grace, uh, no, no one has ever um, kind of— we, we've never had anybody in the gathering kind of publicly speak in tongues. Um, and so I don't, I don't think that's going to happen today. I can't promise. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen today. I don't want to weird you out. I, I want to say this. I, I think that when I, when I study, when I look at kind of the disagreement around tongues, most of it, the majority of it, the vast majority of this kind of, kind of volatile uh, argument is, is wrapped around today. What is the role of tongues in the church, in the world, in the life of a follower of Jesus today, right? Now, not what does the Bible say about it, but what is it, what is it doing today, right? So some people would say, man, it just doesn't exist today. It does not exist. And other people would, would kind of adamantly disagree. No, no, it absolutely exists today. And some would say, well, it exists in this way today, but not in this way today. And some would say, no, 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 it, it exists in this way, not this way. And so it's, it's all about today and what I've experienced in my life and how, and how this has impacted me or how I don't believe it's impacted me and it hasn't impacted anybody else, right? It's, and, and, and so what I want to do this morning, rather than to get into that, I just want to get into the Word. Right? That's what we do here at Flourishing Grace. Um, it's not about my opinion or your opinion or my experience or even your experience. I, I, don't, I don't care about things that you've felt. I don't, and I hope you don't care about things that I've felt either. What does the Word of God say for our lives? And so what I want to do is just kind of set all of the arguments aside for a moment and say, hey, what, what does the Word say about tongues? For Paul, in his day, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, what did he say? What do you say to them about this gift in their day? There's no, there's no scholar worth their salt that would say it did, that it never existed. It was never a real thing, okay? We're, we're going to see today that there, was, that there is a gift of tongues. It did exist at least at some point, and we're going we're to unpack that. We're going to look at it today and say, what did Paul say about it? And then at the end, uh, I'll kind of share a little bit of, of kind of my opinion for today. So let's dive into it together. Um, here at Flourishing Grace, we believe that this is the Word of God. It's inspired by Him on every page. And so if you would, are able, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? 
1 Corinthians 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. Verse 6. Now, brothers, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. If I come speaking, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Right? He's listening to other gifts. If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute, the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives a dis- an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if you so with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So, with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, right, the gifts of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret, the gift of interpretation. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the, in the, uh, in the position of an outsider say amen, I agree to your thanksgiving, when he does not know what you are saying. For you may give, be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by the people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I, God, speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are, not, are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. Um, he is called to an account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, that all these things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Are your legs tired? <laughs> I have to see any of the whole time, guys. Come on. All right. 
So that, that is a lot. That is a lot. But Paul is giving kind of a, a broad, and encompassing definition and, and working out of tongues. And so uh, one of the books that we've been reading that um, some of our staff have been reading and myself and our lead shepherds have been reading is a work by a guy named Sam Storms. It's been quoted a few times in this series. Sam Storms is a pastor in Oklahoma City. He's written a few books on uh, spiritual gifts. Um, and one of those books is uh, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts, which is that's us, okay? We are, we're, we're beginners. We're not uh, a charismatic Pentecostal church. Um, we're kind of these, these beginners. And we're, we're saying, man, let's be, let's be faithful to this. Um, but let's just admit that we are, for the most part, most of us in the room anyways, are, are kind of new to this. Um, and in that work, he defines tongues. And he defines tongues using this text, using 1 Corinthians uh, 14, and a little bit from Acts, and we'll get there in a second. But he says it this way. He says, the, gifts, the gift of tongues is simply the spirit-energized ability to pray, worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or the one you might have learned in school. All right, so let me say that again. The gift of tongues is simply the spirit-energized ability to pray, worship, give thanks, or speak in a language other than your own or the one you might have learned in school. Right? When he says spirit-energized, right, he's just talking about that's, that's all of the gifts. All of the gifts we, we have seen in the Scriptures are spirit-energized. They're empowered by the Spirit. It's a, each of the gifts is a manifestation of the Spirit. It's a spirit Showing up, producing himself in our lives, and producing this, this, this work of his own. Not a work of our own, but a work of his own. It's a spirit energized, a spirit powered, a spirit manifested work. Right? And so we see this in, in all of the gifts. And so he says, man, this gift in particular right, is this ability, this kind of supernatural working of the spirit, giving the ability to, to pray, to praise or, or worship, to sing, or, or to give thanks, or... Or the kind of the flip side of the coin is this ability to speak in a language other than the one that you know how to speak or were taught how to speak in school. So Sam kind of distinguishes these kind of two buckets, all right? Um, there's two buckets. Number one, on this side over here, there's a, there's a spiritual language that's un, that, that no one, it's unintelligible. No human being can say, Oh, I know that language. We don't know that language. It's a spiritual language. This is what he's talking about when he talks about that, that prayer, praise, and giving thanks. And then over here, there's another bucket that's an intelligible language. Maybe not to you, right? It's not a language that you know or a language that you're familiar with, but it's a human language. So we have a spiritual language. We have a human language, right? Now, the human language inside of tongues is like easy for us to understand, and most people don't argue about this. Most people would say, yeah, I get that. I understand that. And I could see why God would do that. And I believe that God can do that. Um, I believe that God has done that. And I believe that God might do that again, right? Um, and some would say that all of the examples of tongues in the Scripture are this language. Um, I, I would say it's pretty clear that that's not true. There, there's, a, there's a distinction between the two. Um, Paul makes it pretty clear that, that's, that there's two different types of things going on here. There's, there's a human language and a spiritual language. Now, the human one uh, we see kind of most famously in Acts 2, right? Acts 2, um, if you've been around the church, you grew up in the church, you know the story, right? Jesus has died. He's risen from the grave. He's been with his disciples on earth for 40 days. He <clears throat> ascends into heaven, 
Um, and then he, he commands them to, to wait for the Spirit, to wait on the Spirit of God. And so they're in Jerusalem, they're waiting on the Spirit of God, and the day of Pentecost comes, the celebration of Pentecost, and, and the Spirit is produced in their lives. The Spirit shows up, right? And now Pentecost is, is a massive celebration. It's a, it's a feast. And so people, Jews, have come from all over, all of their nations, all of their uh, tribes and languages have come and descended on Jerusalem. And then also people who are coming to sell goods to these crowds of people, right? Where there's a massive crowd of people, people come to sell their, their goods. And so they've come from all different walks of life, all far-reaching corners of the known world. They've come to Jerusalem to be a part of this, this week, this celebration, this Pentecost. And the Spirit shows up, and these Galileans, these, these kind of uneducated people who are followers of Jesus, uh, the Spirit descends upon them, and they begin to speak in tongues. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an intelligible human language. We see this in Acts 2. Um, I'll, I'll read it for you. In fact, I think, is it up here on the screen? Let me read it from the screen, because it's rather than flipping there. Um, and and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Right? So everybody there is amazed. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? We, we're hearing what they're saying in our own language. They, they don't speak our language, but we're hearing it. And then he goes on to list all of these places that I'm going to butcher. Uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and uh, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, uh, Phygra in uh, whatever, Egypt in, in parts of Libya belonging to uh, Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and prophets, uh, Cretans and, and uh, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God, right? So these Galileans, uneducated, small town, little fishing community, right, are speaking all of these foreign languages kind of all at once, right? Now, I, I went to, uh, in, in high school and college, I took, um, I've taken eight years of Spanish. Eight years! Eight years I've studied Spanish. And I love to, like, pretend like I can speak Spanish, but I can't right? If you put me in Mexico City and you're like, all right, they just declare the mighty works of God, I'd be like, ah, like I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm a failure when it comes to Spanish. In fact, I, I will, I will disclose this. I've only failed one class in my entire life, Spanish. I, I just blew it. I, I just blew it. I can't, I couldn't do it. I could not possibly do it. And so you have these uneducated people who, who don't have any years of training in, in any other foreign language, and they're speaking fluently and beautifully to the point where all of these other people from these other places are amazed at their ability to speak it, and they're declaring the mighty works of God. Now this is, I, I said before, this is easier for us to wrap our minds around and to be okay with and kind of nod our heads and be like, yeah, I, yeah, for sure, I can see why God would do that. And even in our own day, I've heard stories of missionaries in foreign places where they're just desperate for God to move and being able to give a language that is intelligible to the person that they're speaking to, even though they don't speak the local language, right? And we can wrap our minds around this and say, I could see why God would do that, why he would give somebody the ability to declare his glorious works to somebody who they can't communicate. 
otherwise. They don't have the human ability to communicate. God gives them the supernatural ability to communicate in a human way, right? So many people will say, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I, I can wrap my mind around that. But where it gets weird, right? And even Paul says it's weird, okay? Paul, Paul gives you the freedom to say, hey, tongues is kind of weird, right? He says it's weird in, in 1 Corinthians 14, where it gets kind of messy, when it, kinda, it gets kind of like, ah, I don't know about this, is in the spiritual language. The spiritual language is, is the other side of tongues that we see, and we see in that definition prayer, worship, or praise, and then giving thanks, right? We see in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we did not read this uh, passage earlier. I'll read it for you. Now, Paul says, For the one speaking in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Now, see, that, that, that's not the same as Acts. Who are they speaking to in Acts? They're speaking to the people who are there. So Paul's describing something different here, which is why I would say it's not the same thing. It's just, that's a weak argument, I feel like. Speaks to men, not to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Right? So Paul says, man, this, this spiritual language, this other bucket, is something different. It's somebody who's not speaking to, to men, not speaking to anybody in the room, speaking to God. He, he's, he's, he's speaking these kind of mysteries. Nobody understands it. Nobody, no one can understand it. It's not a human language because that's, that's how we know. No one can understand it. And so he's speaking these, these mysteries to God in, in the Spirit. He utters mysteries. Now, Sam, in that definition, right, prayer, worship, and thanksgiving, he gets that from verses 14 through 17. If, you have, if you're following along in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul says this. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Right, there's that prayer piece. But my mind is unfruitful, right? Paul is saying, even I don't understand what I'm saying. When I'm speaking in tongues, it's not beneficial to my mind. When I'm praying in this spiritual language, it's not beneficial to my mind. I'm not learning anything. I'm not being developed um, intellectually in any way, shape, or form. I'm just praying in a language that is unintelligible. Verse 15, what am I to do? What, what am I going to do? What, what should I do? Paul says, I will pray with my spirit. I, I'm going to go on speaking in tongues but I will pray with my mind also, okay? I'm going to do both. I, I'm going I'm to allow the Spirit to be manifested in my life and to, and to produce these words that I don't understand as I lift these praises to God and these prayers to God, but I will also engage my mind and I will speak intelligible words that make sense to me, that I know what they mean. I will speak those words also as I work on crafting it and molding my image and my view of the Most High God, as I, as I think on the cross and I think of the resurrection of Christ, I will use my mind to dive deep and to shape and mold and develop, and I'll speak those words over the church and over my life. I will use my mind as well. I'll pray with words, and I'll pray in tongues. He goes on, he says, I will sing praise with my spirit. I'll sing praise with tongues, but I will sing praise with my mind also, right, this idea of singing in tongues is something that I, I think, in my life anyways, I've, ex I've experienced more. Now, I've never spoken in tongues. I've never, I've never done that. 
Um, but often I, I will hear people in, in a gathering, whether it's here at Flourishing Grace or back in Chicago where I'm from, right? I would, maybe you're, you're sitting in a row and you're singing and all of a sudden the, kind of the person behind you, they're singing too, which is like, that's not what's on the screen, man. That's like, uh, uh, are you, where are you from? I'm like, wait, no, you're, 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 you're a white guy. You're from, from here. I, I don't, uh, that's not a language. That's, that's not, right? You, 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 it's, that's a, they're speaking in, a, in an intelligible language that, that no one knows, that no one can interpret. No one has, has this ability to translate what they're saying because no one, no human knows it. But they're just, they're just kind of singing quietly to themselves. And Paul says, man, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sing uh, in the Spirit, but I'm also going to sing with my mind. I'll, I'll look at the screen and I'll read the words and I'll declare the truths of Christ. I'll, I'll declare what the work of the cross. I'll declare my assurance that's found in him. I'll declare uh, the mission that he's called me to through song. I'll sing those over that my brothers and sisters who, who gather together. We'll do the work of worship with our minds, but also with our spirit. Then he moves on to giving thanks in verse 16. He says, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen? How can everybody be like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, amen. Let's give thanks to that. To your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. You, you might be given all kinds of thanks. You might be given just beautiful, wonderful thanks to the Most High God, then just astounding, supernatural thanksgiving, but everybody else in the room is just like, what? What? But Paul says, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give thanks in my spirit. I'm going to give thanks with my Mind. And so we see these kind of three versions, at least, at least three, maybe there's more, but at least three that Paul kind of gives us of what, in his mind, tongues was effectively doing. It was effectively praying, praising, and giving thanks. And so we see that, but then, then Paul kind of begins to distinguish between the gathered church and the individual person and their individual life. Right? Paul says in verse 4 of chapter 14, he says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, a few weeks ago, actually it's probably about four weeks ago now, in, in chapter 12, we talked about how all of the gifts are for the common good. Right? They're for the common good. So you might say, wait a second, this is flying in the face of that, right? This is not for the common good. Well, it's yes and no. Yes and no. So, so gifts, we're going to see in a minute, tongues do exist for the common good, but they also exist for the good of the individual, right? So Paul is saying here, man, if you are speaking in a tongue, if, that, if that's simply all that's happening in the church in Corinth, then, then simply all that's happening is that person, that individual is being built up. Not intellectually, right? He's, he's already said that. Like you're not learning anything from this. Like you, you're, not, you're not learning the deep and wonderful, sweet truths of the gospel by speaking in tongues, but you are being built up. There's, there's an encouragement, this sense of nearness to the Spirit of God, this sense of man, declaring something, declaring prayer to God that is, that is just beyond my ability to pray. Man, there's an encouragement in that. To, to sing praises to God that are beyond my ability to sing. There's an encouragement in that. To give thanks to God that are beyond my ability to give thanks. There's an encouragement in that. So we're being built up but not intellectually. And so we see this, the person is being built up. But what about the edification of others? How does tongues exist for others? Well, it doesn't unless 
There's an interpretation, and Paul makes this very clear in chapter 14. In chapter 14, verse 13, he says, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Man, if you want this to be useful, if you want this to be good, if you want this to be, be, to be a gift that's, that's, that's worth more than it, being, than it is by itself, man, you should pray for the gift of interpretation. He also gives clear instructions on, on the way in the gathering that should happen. In, in verses 23 through 28, he says this. He says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are all out of your minds? That's where I said Paul gives this, us permission to say, man, this is weird, okay? If everybody in the room starts speaking in tongues, okay, and someone comes in here who has no idea, in fact, I would be freaked out, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. If everybody in the room started speaking in tongues, I'd be like, this is so crazy. What is happening? I wouldn't know what to do, right? If an outsider comes in, they'd just be like, these people are outside of their minds, they're outside of their minds. And even, even at Pentecost, right, the people are like, man, they're, they're, they're drunk. And Peter, it's like, they're, they're not drunk. It's 10 a.m., right, which is a hilarious response to that. It's like, no, 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 it's only 10 a.m. and wait till 10 p.m. No. They're not drunk. Um, I don't know where that came from. So he goes on, he goes on to um, talk about how prophecy is better for the outsider. But then he goes on in verse 26, if you skip down there, he says, What then, brothers? What are we going to do, right? So if this is, if this is basically weird and, and not—it's basically weird and worthless for the church, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation— let all things be done for building up. If some interpret, or sorry, if, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So Paul does not say, he does not say, I do not allow tongues to be spoken in the church. He says, no, 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 let, it, let them just kind of quietly do this between them and God, which is what I was kind of talking about earlier. Like when, when, when we're singing and someone kind of quietly behind, like I can hear it, but it's like quietly behind me, they're, they're singing in tongues. Like they're not, they're not trying to make this big show or spectacle. It's like, I, I think that that's kind of what Paul is, is describing, kind of this, this kind of quiet, this is just me and God right now in this space. Yeah, there's other people in the room, but I'm not trying to engage anybody else. It's just, just me and God quietly speaking. I, I'm, I'm just allowing the Spirit to speak through me to God. I'm praying, I'm praising, I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm, I'm whatever, giving thanks. But Paul says, man, if there is someone who has this ability to interpret, if there's someone in the room that it's like, I know what they're saying. I don't know how, but I can, I can hear that clear as day. I, I know what they're saying. Then I can't translate it because I don't know that language, but I have been given the supernatural ability to interpret the Spirit is giving me the words that they're saying. Paul says, man, that's, that's for the good of all people. That's, for the, that's, that's God speaking to his church, and so, so, so allow it. Now, again, I said at the beginning, that's never happened here at Flourishing Grace. In fact, I will say this. I, I have I've been, I've experienced speaking in tongues a number of times um, in, in my life and in, in ministry, um, 
and what's sad about it is I've never experienced the interpretation of tongues, ever. I've never, I've never seen that gift. I've never, I've never been witness to someone with that gift. I've been in churches where uh, all of a sudden someone will stand up and they'll start speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is getting, this is crazy. And all of a sudden, like, the response is someone over here starts you know, speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh, okay. And then someone behind me starts standing up and speaking in tongues. And then someone over here starts, and all of a sudden there's like 10 people speaking in tongues. I'm like, what is, what is happening, right? And, and I, I think my point in this is, I, have, I guess maybe I have a limited experience. That is my experience. Where it's like, no, 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 let me, let me show you that I can do this too. Let me show you, no, 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 I can do this too. Where Paul says, no, 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 stop. Stop, two or three at most. And only when there's someone there that, that says, man, I, I can interpret that. I have the ability to know what that person is saying. The, the Spirit is manifesting himself in me in a way that shows that. And so I think for us here at Flourishing Grace, I said at the beginning, man, we've never, we've never seen this here. It's never, never happened. Maybe, maybe it will. But I, I, want to, I, want us to kind of, I want us to kind of be all on the same page. I, I'm not... I'm not saying, man, if you come to Flourishing Grace, you need to believe that tongues exist today. In fact, I would say this, man, if you are here this morning and, you, and you're hearing this, you're hearing this sermon and you're hearing these words, you're like, and you're just like, gosh, I don't know, Josh, that's, that's hard for me. I want to give you the permission to just continue to wrestle with that. It's hard for me too. It's hard for me too. And so, so wrestle with that. Don't give up on it. Don't, don't close down just because you've never seen, you've never heard, you've never experienced. But wrestle with it. And wrestle with the Word, not with your experience. And what does the Word of God say? And I think that's true for all of the gifts, right? We see in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, and this is kind of the last verse in that sh- section that we've been working through. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, uh, Paul says this to the church. He says, all of these, all these gifts, everything that we've talked about, from word of wisdom and knowledge and um, miracles and healing and tongues and prophecy and uh, faith. And all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. And so I just want to, kind of in closing, bring us back to the thing that we've been kind of pounding all along. The hope of this series, we'll come back to tongues. We've only covered, an, or we'll come back to gifts. We've only covered a few of the gifts and so we'll come back to gifts. We'll preach on gifts more in the future. But my, my heart and my, my kind of my cry to you, Flourishing Grace, if you call Flourishing Grace home, Church home, okay? If you're, if you're new here, that's okay. You can ignore me. If you call Flourishing Grace Church home, my cry to you is to pursue the Spirit of God, to pursue the Spirit of Christ in your life, to, to know that, that there is something far richer and far better when we have an intimate relationship with the Spirit. If you want a flourishing relationship with Jesus, you need an intimate relationship with the Spirit of Jesus. And so I just want to challenge you again to pursue that and to be open to whatever He might have for your life, whatever, whatever gifts He might want to produce or whatever, whatever supernatural things He might want to do in you, be open to that. Pursue that. Let's pursue that together in a community. Let's remind ourselves that there is there's just nothing greater in this world. There's nothing sweeter in this world than a relationship with Jesus. You will never find anything better for that. I don't know what you came in here this morning searching for or looking for or what pain you're looking for a relief from, but you will never find anything more relieving, more sweet, more wonderful than a relationship 
with Jesus. And the, and the deeper we can dive into that relationship, the more joy and the more sweetness we will find there. And so let's, let's, let's explore, let's dream, let's discover as we, as we kind of walk in this intimate relationship with the Spirit. All right, let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, Father, we come before you and just confess. Confess. Some of, some of us in this room, we, maybe, maybe a lot of us in this room just need to confess. I mean, the idea of some of these gifts are, are much harder than others. Some of these gifts, when we, when, we, when, we, when we talk about it and we think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, it's cool that it's in the Bible, but in my life, I don't, I don't really know if I want that or I don't really know if I believe in that. I just pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cultivate in flourishing grace a hunger for you, an earnest desire for you to be present in our lives, an earnest desire to experience your outpouring in our lives. And so might we be a people who are just open to whatever you may have for us? Might we be people who are constantly wrestling together with your word and with the things that maybe are harder for us to understand? May we never be a people who cease to, to question and press in. Let us wrestle. And let us fall deeper in love with the person of Jesus Christ. I pray this in his name and in Jesus' name. Amen.